I really like that personal prophetic thing. It's just so awesome. So many people come back to me and tell me what God said and, and how it just changed the course of their life and encouraged them in so many ways. I just love that. Also, we do have these bulletins, and they have all this information that you need, including the giving information. And we have three ways to give, like we said, and uh, so that's all in the corner there. And it got a little complicated with uh, COVID, but we kind of liked the way we were doing it during the time when we weren't really passing the plates or anything around, and we just sort of like the possibilities for all kinds of communication that this is open. It's just a great time and season. It's amazing. We didn't get weaker through COVID. We've been getting stronger and stronger. God just added to us. And I believe almost all tragedies that we face, difficulty, if you think of it in just the right way, I think you're thinking properly. Think of more, not less. And it's hard to do sometimes when you're right in the middle of something, right? But always think of more, not less. I just like to think that way. I think that's the way God is. I think He's the God of more, not less. So if there's a challenge, you know, sort of like judo, you know, so I don't know much about judo other than I know you take the enemy's momentum and turn it into your good. So that's how you fight that particular art, right? So for you judo experts, but that's about as much as I know about judo. But anyway, so, uh, but it's true, right? So I want to talk today about the faith that Jesus is always looking for. And I got to emphasize the always. It's without faith, it's impossible to please God. That should give you a hint. And everything, as we see through the Bible characters from beginning to end, is by faith. And of course, Hebrews chapter 11 just uh, lists all of that whole, that whole chapter, the whole uh, bank of heroes that's listed there of, of those that exercise faith. Jesus is always looking for someone who will believe His promises and fulfill His will on the earth. Hopefully every, everybody has an outline, so I'm at Roman number one there. But he's always looking for someone who will believe his promises and fulfill his will on the earth. And there's nothing more incredible to underline that point than the very story of the coming of Jesus Christ. And I love this story so much, and it's Christmas time, and there's just so many things that are in this that not just uh, come to us at Christmas as we reminisce about the birth of Jesus, but so many principles, so many uh, things that we can apply to our own personal life about change, about blessing about how God deals with us. So we see in Luke chapter 1, uh, Mary and Elizabeth. And uh, so the mother of Jesus had the faith God was looking for. And Elizabeth, who was the mother of John the Baptist, had this same faith. And so she's told by this angel that she's going to conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus, and he'll be great, and called the Son of the Most High God. How'd you like to be have that word given to you by any medium, one way or another, whether it's an angel or whatever? Hey, by the way, you're going to be the mother of God. You know, I mean, first of all, like, how do you even grasp that thing? You know, I, you might laugh. You know, I, and boy, I tell you what, people in the Bible have laughed, and uh, wasn't good for them, right? <laughs> Don't laugh when God's giving you a serious thing. I want to say that even uh, with. The words that come with God with skin on. Of course, we'd never prophesy perfectly, but God is so humble of heart. Sometimes He just uses an ordinary person to give us a life-changing word. The question is, on the other side of it, are we going to receive that word or not? Are we going to act on it or not? He hides. He camouflages himself. Sometimes He just blurts it open, and, you know, there it is. But many times... Uh, question is whether we're listening, but not only whether we're listening, it's how we're responding. And this little sermon I'm going to talk to you about with regard to the faith Jesus is always looking for is about response. So I want to read Mary's response. 
And we're going to go on and we'll also see a little bit of Elizabeth here in the, as well. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel, fair question. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And I, I personally think that God probably looked all up and down history to find one person, one woman, who, who would just ask a simple question but wouldn't freak out or even get uh, upset or even doubt. Just She just asks a normal question, like, I'm a virgin, how is this going to be? Then he explains it to her. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now this overshadowing, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, it was foreshadowing, the overshadowing was foreshadowing what was to come. And that is the Spirit resting on us. He was going to fill us and baptize us, immerse us in the Spirit. And here he's talking about the Spirit coming for this, the birth of this child. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I like that. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be, fu be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I mean, like, you're going to be the mother of God. Fine. Uh, may your word be fulfilled. I wonder if God was looking through the ages to find one woman that would just respond like that, right? Because he's actually pretty sensitive about our response. If you read the beginning of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you see the sensitivity uh, God has when he goes out of his way to speak to somebody, he goes out of his way to work with someone. And it's very instructive for us. If God is not speaking, God's not alive today, God not still doing the same stuff, then it doesn't matter, right? But if God still is alive, then I assure you, He's still speaking and giving promises. Even in this season, no matter what the season. Sometimes we go through seasons that are so difficult, we can't hear anything. We think it will never be a promise. But the problem isn't on His end, and the problem is not with the circumstance. Because I'm convinced that God speaks more than we know. I think it's on our end to receive, whether our circumstances have closed our ears or whether the thing is just so great we could never imagine or we don't have the capacity to believe creatively that God could cause uh, something to happen that we just hadn't thought of before. I just think that's a word right there. We don't think, uh, you know, we, we don't think creatively. In other words, or maybe we could just say receptive to creative problems, creative issues. God can be creative about any situation. Nothing's too difficult. That's why I love to see God invade the marketplace. I love to see Him invade our homes, our houses, our families. Right? At that, Mary got ready and hurried to go, go to a town in the country of Judea where she entered Zacharias' home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So she was pregnant, too. She was pregnant with John the Baptist, and that's a story that precedes this one. And her husband, Zachariah, didn't handle the news very well, so he couldn't talk anymore. <laughs> so I don't think God was being me, uh, mean, but he was being clear, you know? And it was an angel that got offended. Look, I stand in the presence of Almighty God, and if I say this is going to happen, this is going to happen. <laughs> By the way, you're not going to talk anymore until you you respond in faith until this event happens, right? In a loud voice, I mean, that's just so interesting to me. Um, you know, I got enough trouble with the devil. I don't need trouble with God. 
right? I don't need to make it any worse, right? I have to walk in faith. That's part of the rules, right? And faith can be scary sometimes. And it's all about the impossible anyway, right? In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, women, and blessed is the child you'll bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Wow. So Elizabeth had faith too. Elizabeth had faith too. What a remarkable thing. So here, nobody knows. Here's these two moms in the kitchen talking about the destiny of the entire earth. And there's John the Baptist in the womb jumping up and down. <laughs> Is that a weird thing or what? The whole world's about to change, and two moms in the kitchen are going over this stuff, you know, talking to one another. And, and John the Baptist isn't born yet, but he's shouting, Yeah, mom, that's right, keep talking. <laughs> oh, man. Nobody else on the earth had a clue. No wonder God chose them. He saw two women that would respond to him right. Zechariah didn't have what God was looking for. If you remember the story, but he eventually he got the hang of it. And I think we're all like Zachariah sometimes, right? His name is John. As soon as he says his name is John, which was totally out of bounds for the family, they were going to name him after his one of their ancestors, especially this child who was a child of promise. Nope, his name is John. He wrote it down, and all of a sudden his mouth, he got his tongue back. So, you know, faith is always reflected and the way we talk. You ever notice that? Always. Zechariah asked this angel, how can I be assured of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you the good news, this good news. And now you'll be silent and, and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at the appointed time. I wonder how many of those words we don't believe. Meanwhile, the people are waiting for Zechariah, wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. But he gets it right in verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah, but his mother spoke up and said, No, he's to be called John. They said to her, There's no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were in awe, were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. What an amazing story. Everyone who heard this wondered ab about it, saying, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. So this is a story of faith, the faith that God is always looking for. And as Jesus walked the earth, the same faith that he was looking for and whoever he encountered, and especially with those disciples he was bringing along. They had a front row seat to how to believe God for things. <laughs> how to interact with God. That was their assignment. How to think like God thinks. 
I like this story of blind Bartimaeus because it kind of helps us understand that we all take faith journeys. We are part of the answer for our own problems and the problems of others. Can I just say that again? This is really important. Sometimes we just think that faith is sort of the state of mind that we go on auto cruise till something may or may not happen. But the truth is, I'm learning more and more about this, uh, and I, I just realize that every problem, every predicament, everything that I need God to do, I'm on a journey with Him. Think of it like that. Now I'm taking a trip through the unemployment line to employment. <laughs> I'm taking a trip from not being healed to be healed. So a journey means that I'm moving along, I'm walking toward this miracle, but there are all kinds of things along the way that I have to negotiate. Sometimes the hill is steep. Sometimes it's fraught with danger. Sometimes it's more scary than others. It's, it's a journey. And during these journeys, if you think of faith this way, God changes us, rearranges us. He builds us for more. So that's why he just doesn't tap his fingers all the time. Miracles can come that quickly. But often he's looking for a response. He's always looking for faith. Faith makes the world go round. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He loves it. It, it. it glorifies God this way, but it's just the way the kingdom works. And he tried to teach his disciples this, and everybody he met. So he comes to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. It's only the people that are healthy, that, I guess, that need that get healing, or the, only the dignified or the wealthy or, or whatever. But this beggar, he's bugging everybody. He's screaming outside the road, making the whole thing disorderly, of course. Interesting thing about disorderly. If it's got faith in that God's okay with it, right? If it's truly from the Lord. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So he didn't stop. He was part of this miracle. You would think he would just shut up, just like people told him for all those years, marginalizing him, always putting him in the background, because actually behind the lines, everybody was saying, Hey, buddy, you're cursed. You wouldn't have this blindness if God was with you. You're cursed. And if certainly God isn't going to heal anybody, right? Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. He, he didn't get quiet. He got louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. There's something about that. So the devil is always trying to quiet you. Get louder. You go the other way about your healing, about what you need. Jesus stopped and said, call him. Now notice Jesus didn't call, stop till this guy went down the journey a little ways. Right? <laughs> he didn't stop right away. Something about that, I think, and we see it in other stories. It's like he just is drawing this person. He's, he's drawing him out. He, God likes the sound of faith. He likes the sound of it. And we don't like the sound of it. You know, it's scary sometimes. It's just that we, like Zachariah, need to get the hang of this thing. <laughs> right? We need to get the hang of how God walks. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. What? That's almost like an insult. 
obviously the guy, you know, he's feeling around trying to <laughs> find, where are you? Where, where are you, Jesus? I mean, <laughs> what do you want me to do for you? Why would Jesus say such a thing? What do you want me to do for you? Why does he like to hear you say it? Good question. Because Jesus is always looking for faith. Always. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So there's these dimensions to this story that I, I really like. He, he went on this short journey, but he takes us on these journeys with our mouth and with our actions. So those are the two dimensions, with our mouth and with our actions. Go, your faith has healed you. Why did Jesus make Bartimaeus tell him what he needed? Because Jesus is always looking for faith. And I want to turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. <clears throat> a very common section of Scripture. Many of us know this passage, but it's just so powerful it never gets old for me. I'm always learning it in new ways. Verse 6, And without faith it's impossible to please God. Wow. That just redefines your entire life. <laughs> and every problem that you have why you have problems. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we hate our problems. We're discouraged about our problems. But actually, Jesus is always looking for faith that can always be expected to help you to believe, that's for sure. But it's so important that we understand this principle in Hebrews chapter 11. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that from that forward on and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And so we earnestly seek him in various ways. And so the rest of this story, you read the verse, give examples. There's all kinds of examples. It's called the hall of faith, the whole Hebrews 11. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Sometimes faith is a little ridiculous. One thing that always amazes me, and obviously Noah building this huge ark, I mean, wow. Whew, talk about the effort, too. And I've noticed this often with regard to evangelism. It's always the same. It's always this ridiculous thing that's in there. You feel small. You feel ridiculous, especially when you're just doing it with people you don't even know. But it's that ridiculousness that's the key. It's that uneasiness. It's that place, like Noah building an ark. It's, it's the same thing. That's why if we want to see people that come to Christ, the other, next question is, how uncomfortable do you want to be? <laughs> right? And some of us got past that. We call them evangelists. But most of us haven't got past that. But it's so important. If we really want to lead our neighbors, our friends, anyone... We, we're always saying, well, we just want them to feel comfortable. You know, we, we want them to, we don't want to be obnoxious. Boy, that's our like word. We don't want to be obnoxious. Well, Noah wasn't exactly sane here. He doesn't look very uh, like sane to me. And I don't even know if people come to the Lord that way. They usually come through some unusual door, some up way. It's their very need that actually opens the door when we find it or are a part of it. It's amazing how they come.
By faith, Abraham, when he <clears throat> when called to go to a place he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Wow. Who likes just to go out there and not know where you're going? I mean, with every little device we have and everything, I hate to not know where I'm going. Yet faith is just the same way. We're not very well built for this atmosphere called faith. Everything in our uh, culture is trying to get us to go the opposite direction, right? It's amazing. Faith journeys. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents. And Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, as countless as the sand on the seashore. So nobody is ever exempt. You can't get too old for this, and you can't be too young for this. The discomfort is always there, <laughs> right? Until maybe you get your bearings and you learn the habit, you get a little more comfortable with taking risk, as these people did. Talk about risk. He's the father of all who believe. Yay, Abraham, the father of all who believe. Go sacrifice that one and only son I gave you. Why don't you go sacrifice him now? It's time. Ah, I'm not sure I like this faith. <laughs> These are stories we read over so simply, but they're full of drama. They're full of excitement. They're full of R-I-S-K. And it's right at the heart of the Christmas story. He needed someone to say yes. And he found Elizabeth, and he found Mary, and a reluctant Zachariah, but he had his way. In the basic training of all Jesus' disciples, there's always our faith and his joy. Could I just underline that a little bit? How many would like to make Jesus happy? About 75% of you. <laughs> You're afraid of what I'm going to say next, right? Well, I ain't going to say it. The Bible will, right? So we look at Luke chapter 10. He sends these disciples out. And that, talk about a ride. Uh, these disciples had quite a ride with Jesus, right? So he says to them, well, all right, you guys go on out. I'm going to send you two by two. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you, heal the sick who are, uh, who are there, and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Now, we, we look at that, oh, yeah, all these guys, you know, Peter and John and the boys, you know, uh, how easy that must have been. But no, it wasn't easy. I mean, hey, you know, obviously at this point in time, nobody's hailing Jesus as Messiah. He's just becoming known. And now these guys are going to go out, and they're not even sure about what Jesus is doing. They're in awe. Now he tells them to go do the same. That little gulp that we feel when Jesus tells us to do that is the same gulp they felt. It's just nice to know that they had the same gulp. <laughs> Believe me. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been faith. But when you enter a town, they're not welcome to go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure. I mean, these are peasant guys. You know, nobody's listening to them. And these, they march right into a strange city. And by the way, these cities, you know, in those times, in ancient days, they didn't, like, welcome strangers. They weren't, like, real happy to see people. Right? So 
Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. What an amazing thing. I mean, how, how do you digest a thing like this? I'm just an ordinary guy. He picks me. I was catching fish, and now he tells me to go out and announce that this is going to be more bearable <laughs> for Sodom and Gomorrah, <clears throat> right, if you don't listen to what I have to say. Could we be that bold? Is God expecting that from us? These are the first guys. I assume they were our example. Wow. Sometimes when you climb into the story, it's easier. Well, after all, that was the apostle John and Peter. But the Bible clearly outlines their failures and their problems. They were just like us. How about Peter? Wow, he messed up more than once. Right? And it's purposely in there so that the Bible makes it clear we're just like them. So the question is whether we will respond in faith. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Wow. Could that still be the truth? Whoever rejects you rejects me. Whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. It's amazing. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Let me just go back to that verse 21. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven, I thank you that you've taken this, these things and hidden, hidden them from the wise and learned about revealed them in little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. The Father's pleased, the Holy Spirit's pleased, and Jesus is pleased. Everybody's pleased with this arrangement, except for maybe us. <laughs> They're happy about this arrangement. When we do these things, heaven's laughing. Heaven's overjoyed. I think that's kind of important. It's not just this somber thing. It's, it's a happy thing when faith is released because Jesus is always looking for this faith and he loves it when we overcome the enemy by his name. These humble people, these Frodo-like people, that's what we're like. Yet in heaven, we're heroes. In heaven, it causes all of heaven. If you want to make God smile, evidently you do this. Holy Spirit kind of likes it and so does Jesus. Notice how happy Jesus is about all of this. Faith in Jesus' name by ordinary disciples is always what God is looking for. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Blessed are all who get to see these things. You're even blessed. Maybe you don't know it, but you're blessed. You get to see these things. In other words, at that point in time, we moved into an age 
that the world had never seen before in the realm of religion or God or relationships between God and human beings. And the funny thing is through the centuries, it's built and built and built, but it's only gotten better in our time. Do you realize that? Oh yeah, that was back then. No. See, Jesus explained to us how the kingdom works. It always increases. It never decreases. We at Christmas time and the increase of his government, we sing that, right? These joyous thing, uh, quotations from Isaiah. His government will not cease to increase. It will always increase. You know what that means? The rule of God is intent on taking over. The rule of God is intent on using his church in the farthest most distant part of the world. And in this age, in this time, there are more signs and wonders, more miracles that have ever happened in all of history, just in the last uh, few, maybe 20, 30 years. We know this on the highways and the byways of the world. There have never been more people coming to Christ. And it's always the same. The kingdom shows up. My favorite story for a while, I can't, can't quit thinking about it. I wondered what I would do. This guy, poor, I've told you this before, but I just comes to my mind. I can think of thousands of other stories like this, but we send these missionaries out, and he's six months in Muslim territory, and no one will receive Christ. He's preaching his heart out, right? And finally, one day, he's in a small village, and this missionary we sent, and then we sent hundreds like this. This is just one story of hundreds. And so they, they, they heard about the resurrection of the dead, and how Jesus rose from the dead, so they dumped this lady right in front of him, and said, okay, she's dead, resurrect her. So obviously, he was on the spot. He swallowed hard, but he responded. That person resurrected from the dead. I heard him tell this story, and he never had another problem leading people to Christ in that area. As a result of that one testimony, hundreds of people were saved, thousands, and people, churches were planted everywhere. Oh, that's over there. That's over there. God's doing things like that over there. Because, of course, there aren't that many believers, of course. And before that, they were saying, you know what? What do you mean? We're not supposed to go and do that. If God wants those people saved, he'll go get them himself. We always have an excuse. We always have something to fill in from our own personal responsibility of faith. But Jesus is always looking for faith. And if you want to walk with him, he'll create the circumstances around you to make you walk in faith. He likes it. He loves it. You might not be too crazy about it, but this is the way the world works. And we see it right from the Christmas story, right on through the apostles, right on to our age. As we, as we contemplate the end of time as we know it, Jesus is busy looking for the passionate faith and love of his bride, the church, who will triumph over Satan. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony, that's how we overcome. This testimony is so dramatic that the church will not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. That's how the story ends. That's how the end times will be. It will be full of people like that. How far the end times is, I don't know what part of the end times we're apart, but this is incredibly important to know because this is going to happen as the time unfolds. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God. This is Revelation 12.10. And the authority of his Messiah. That's a pretty big statement. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accused them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They, meaning us, triumphed over them by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. 
They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So at the point where this finally comes to a consummation, this is what the church will be like. Jesus is always looking for faith. This lifestyle only gets more dramatic the closer to the end of time that we get. I believe as we come through these times, this COVID thing and all the things related to it, the governmental things, I think it's really, really important that we watch our attitude at this moment. Because sometimes when we get into this complaining mode, we lose faith altogether. And we sort of bring something forward, right, first. It's not first. It may be part of the process, but it's certainly not first. Our first call is to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth, not the complaining of the world. Hear what I said? This is a time for light and salt. Make sure your complaining and your crusade for righteousness doesn't eclipse the light and the salt God wants us to be. And by the way, it's a hard thing, but these people are acting like unbelievers. What do you expect? But it's so close to Antichrist. Yep. But they were doing that all along. It's just more visible now. So how is it that we're going to save them? Well, we're going to have to love them, talk to them, demonstrate signs and wonders, tell them the truth as best we can, but there's lots of ways to help people. The Holy Spirit's not throwing up His hands. Oh, these people, they have these horrible ideologies. They're ruining our country. They're messing the whole thing up. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? That's the spirit a lot of us are in. We masquerade it as political fidelity, but it's plain unbelief is what it is. They're acting like unbelievers. So we have to find a way to relate to them and love them and counsel them and talk to them. We don't compromise. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit's really ingenious. He comes in the back door, the front door, the side door, through the window. How did you get saved? Planes and trains and automobiles, everything, you know. <laughs> Every possible way. So we can't just shut down a half the country or more that have these ridiculous ideas. We have to find a way, right? Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't have good governments, but we have to find a way because it's up to us. It's not up to the government to change. It's up to the government of God to change. That's who's got to change. With a holy boldness and a faith, the faith that Jesus is always looking for, even in ridiculous times. Before the end of the age, the church will cry out in faith day and night, and when the Son of Man comes, he will find faith on the earth. One way that we release this faith is just simply being willing to be these amazing prayer warriors. That's more than that, but I love these verses. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. How often? Always. What does always mean? That means always. That means you pray a lot. Corporately and individually. It's amazing when trouble comes how prayer seems to evaporate in our soul. We can't even find words. We're so intimidated. We can't even find words. Honestly, when trouble comes, 
Actually, our words should be multiplied over and over again. We should find ourselves increasing with what we have to ask, what we have to say. Not getting quieter and quieter into this sort of place of dismay and fear and trembling, right? We, we should actually be bolder. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so she won't eventually come and attack me. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. But when he's, look what he says next. And the Lord, just, the Lord says, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him and day and night who attack him? Day and night? <laughs> will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? And one expression of that is attacking prayer. We won't let go. We keep praying and praying. We don't despair. We don't crawl in a hole. And by the way, where two or three gather together, evidently, it's pretty powerful. There I am in their midst. Whatever they bind will be bound. Whatever they loose will be loosed, right? So we can't hide can't take the prayer out of the mouth of the church. Satan loves to do that. But he just crafted this magnificent plan to shut the church up, to quit talking. He hates us when we pray individually, but when we start praying that corporate stuff, wow. We see it right here, right? And Jesus is saying, hey, you know, I wonder if I'll find faith on the earth. A church constantly praying. Praying is not second place. Praying is not something that we do and all else fails. Pray is at the top of the list. Violent, crazy prayer. Agreeing with our wife, our kids, our friends, other believers, the whole church. And we will see merry miracle, miracles all over again. Jesus coming to the earth in response to the faith and love of his saints. The merry miracle. Christmas is the merry miracle. He found someone that would respond when he said, you're going to be the mother of God. He found a family he could depend on. Zachariah was a little bit slow, but he got the hang of it. That would father this man, John the Baptist, and change the earth. In the Christmas story, we see the faith Jesus is always looking for. A merry miracle. A John the Baptist miracle, a Peter miracle, a John miracle. And everybody's the same no matter what the age. God challenges all. He's always looking for this same kind of faith. Amen? Why don't we all stand? So. I'm just going to ask any of you who would like to, to respond in faith to this message. So the most important part of this response will be what you do when you leave these premises, right? <laughs> your business, your family, right? How you respond to the world, how you pray, how you expect what you expect from God. But here in these moments when we pray, we're all gathered here. 
where two or three are gathered together, God says, there I am in their midst. So I assume that when more than two or three gather together, he's here even more clearly, right? At least in a way we can perceive it. He goes, hey, there's people here just like me. Hey. And when we worship, isn't it amazing how we hear that sound? The sound, the worship sound. It encourages us, the spirit and, and I could sing in the shower alone, but it's not so great, you know. But when I, and I could worship my head off, but when I'm with all these people and I hear these words and I hear the songs and the, the melodies, you, you feel the presence of the Lord. He's here right now. And so, why wouldn't we call out to Him in this place and ask Him to help us? So, what I like to do is, I haven't done this in a long time, uh, but because <laughs> we're, Recongealing and the last frontier is getting our ministry team together. But if you've been on our ministry team in the past and you'd like to pray for some people, why don't you just come up to the front? And um, you could just line up here along the front and just face that way. And uh, so what I'm going to ask you to do during this time we worship, if you like, is um, if you would just like to uh, receive prayer today for something. All these people will be glad to pray for you. And um, so, why don't you just express your faith by just coming up? Just come up wherever you are and ask God. Here they are. We're all locked and loaded. Where two or three gather together in my name, there I am in their midst. If two of you agree about anything, I'll do it. So maybe some of you would like to come during the worship and just get prayer. All right? Prayer for healing in your body, extra prayer over a situation. I just encourage you. We always have a situation, and I know I've been that way when I'm new to a church. I don't quite know what to expect. I'm a little shy. But for your sake, and for Jesus' sake, especially if you have a problem, God's looking for faith. And if it takes faith for you to come to the front today, why don't you do it? All right? And as we worship, we're just going to pray over you, okay? And um, if you guys in the ministry team could move around a little bit, give yourself some space. And, um, and if nobody's there to pray for you, somebody will find you. Maybe from the audience, part of our team. Just don't leave anybody without somebody to pray for them, okay? Lord, I ask you as we pray today, I pray to heal the sick. I pray, Lord, you would change difficult situations. I pray, God, that you would help us financially as we ask you boldly. If nobody's right there to pray for you right away, don't worry. Just stand right here in the front. Somebody will come. Don't worry. Somebody will come. You're not looking for... We'll find you. Don't worry. Just keep coming. It's a little closer. So I'm assuming anybody that's in front of the front row is going to get prayer, okay? If you're in front of that first row, we'll find you. In Jesus' name. God bless you all. May the Lord Jesus come into this place and answer every prayer that's being prayed here.